I am Sandra Ezekwesili, and once a week, we let Nigeria breathe a bit. And instead, we look at the biggest international stories of the week. Before now, it's been every Friday at three. But from this week, our global review will happen this time slot, Thursdays at four o'clock. And this week, we're looking at the military coup in Niger Republic, the ultimatum from ECOWAS, the response from the international community, you know by now that last week, Wednesday, the military overthrew President Mohamed Bazoum. Uh, General Abdurrahman Tiani has declared himself um, the new head of state. Now, before that, he was um, head of the presidential guard. So basically, he overthrew the man who was uh, supposed, uh, who he was supposed um, to protect. Now, I've got two guests on the show today. My first guest is a defense expert, Mochala been welcome back to hard facts mutala thank you very much Sandra. yes my second guest is our regular guest when we go global he is a policy expert chief andy obofer but welcome back to the show Great to be back. Thank you, Sandra. Hmm. Lagos, join the conversation as well. What questions do you have about the situation in Niger? What comments do you have about the situation in Niger? 70 993 Muchala, let me come to you first. What factors led to this coup? Well, um, as usual, when, whenever there's a coup, uh, the... Uh, the players in the coup will give some form of excuse and usually as we've seen in the Sahelian region whether in terms of Burkina Faso, Mali, Yankini, uh, there's always complaint about security. Uh, for them, they complain about the deteriorating nature of security, not being able to cooperate with um, with their counterparts in Mali and Burkina Faso. Yeah, so uh, basically, it's the same excuse about deterioration in terms of security, and they're not being able to do the job. Um, and accusing the former president of uh, constraining uh, their ability to do uh, what they what was needed to improve the security conditions, but these are just uh, uh, excuses uh, to um, give us some form of legitimacy to their action. <laughs> I like how you say. Usually, when there's a coup, there are some excuses. ECOWAS has condemned the coup and imposed um, sanctions on Niger. Uh, and on Sunday, um, the they gave the regime a one week ultimatum. The ultimatum says, Lagos. The ultimatum says, quote. In the event the authorities' demands are not met within one week, take all measures necessary to restore constitutional order in the Republic of Niger. Such measures may include the use of force, end quote. Muchala Ekowa says military action is on the table. Muchala, how likely is it that we will see the use of force? I'll start with you and then I'll come to Chief. So yeah, ECOWAS um, is saying the use of force is on the table, mm-hmm. and so just to give a backdrop to why ECOWAS is taking this path, and um, ECOWAS has tried with several others uh, form of uh, uh, truth, especially after the Burkina Faso coup, the coup in Mali, and the coup in Guinea. Uh, they have tried a lot of sanctions. Uh, they have tried a lot of com- negotiations, mediation. In fact, uh, former President Kula Jonathan is uh, is probably is the envoy to Mali, trying to get them to do a transition. In fact. 
uh, Mali, the guy who did the coup, had done the first coup, then the civilian government came into power, and then he removed the civilian government, just kind of showing that, oh, nothing will happen and that kind of vibes. And there's also possibility that the Nigerians had seen what was happening in the other part, and they got emboldened that when they do their own coup, nothing will happen. But they didn't probably take into consideration some factors. For example, one, uh, Niger is close to Nigeria. Uh, so uh, unlike Mali, Burkina Faso, and Guinea, for us here, this is a matter of national security. Uh, there's a huge implication for us in Nigeria. And then secondly, Nigeria has got has done a transition. Uh, we The former president, uh, uh, Muhammad Buhari, had a little bit of different outlook towards the region. And then President uh, Nibu has a different outlook. And in fact, coincidentally, just like a week or two before the coup, he had made a very, very strong statement against coup in the region, saying, and also was in conversation with his counterparts about building the, expanding the powers and the capability of the uh, of the force, the equal force that we, they were trying to build uh, to counter coup and terrorism. So he had already shown his body language against coup. And we also know that um, uh, President Chinibu had, during his days in the Nadeko, uh, fought uh, the military junta. So he's allergic to coups. Uh, he's not a fan of coups. Uh, he, he's not a fan of military. In fact, we could see his uh, ministerial list. There's not a single former military officer on board that list. So he's not a fan of military men in, 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 in politics or in power. Mm. And so so uh, these are some of the mindsets that have that have shaped uh, the ECOWAS uh, decision to Response. take really really strong action. Uh, they refused ECOWAS has refused to provide any formal legitimacy to the coup process, not even calling it a coup for a hostage situation. Mm. Uh, so also other partners across the world have also been using some form of language not to give uh, any formal legitimacy. So will the force come? I think. Only time will tell. There's been a lot of negotiations that have started since uh, even hours after the coup with the dispatch of President of Benin and then also other forms of engagement also with the dispatch of this President of Kit uh, uh, Chad. Uh, Derby Junior, and then there's also the uh, negotiations with uh, former President uh, Abdul Salam Abdul. So there's a lot Equas is trying, but uh, Equas will have to be ready to ensure that it's not just a biting dog, but it's able to bite. Chief. Yeah, I think going back, first of all, to your first question, Sandra, about what led here, I think we should also, I am co-signing everything that Motala has said. I think I'll also add one more point, which is that uh, just two days before the coup, um, uh, President Bazoum was talking about uh, sacking uh, General Chani as head of the presidential guard. So um, interesting that on the 24th, there's a conversation at cabinet level about removing him from office, and then on the 26th, Suddenly, um, there's discontent about how uh, Bazoub is handling um, um, the, um, the counterinsurgency and there's a need to remove him. So, coincidence? I, I don't think so, but I'll leave that to the listener. Then, um, in terms of the use of force um, or the threat of the use of force from ECOWAS, I think ECOWAS is in a position where um, they really don't have a choice but to keep um, force on the table and to present force as a credible option here. Because like Mutala said, we've had a couple of these coups now, and it seems to be that the sanctions haven't really fully worked. Suspension from ECOWAS, which we saw in the past, has not worked. And so even if the ECOWAS nations may not be altogether enthusiastic about the idea of going to, going to fight a war in Niger, I think they see from a perspective of uh, we need to have a credible... We need to have 
the threat of military intervention to be perceived in Niamey as a credible one. Otherwise, Niamey will calculate, and I mean Chani himself, will calculate that, oh, this is just going to be business as usual. Mali, uh, Mali has been able to survive it. Burkina Faso has been able to survive it. So why can't I? So um, in many ways, um, ECOWAS doesn't really have many cards to play if they don't keep force on the table. Now the question becomes, is ECOWAS actually able to project the threat of force in a credible way that actually comes across to Naomi, or does this end up really being a situation where we're, we're ready to use force, but everybody's like, guy, come on. Yeah. <laughs> are ECOWAS members uh, or member states, are they really in a position to use force in Niger, chief? Well, that's the open question. I mean, I look at, I think when we talk about ECOWAS use of force, we're saying um, Nigeria and France, right? Uh, that's been the case ever since ECOMOG in Liberia and Sierra Leone. Uh, I think we may see over time, I think, the, of course, even this um, CGNTF, um, you know, has been Nigeria and Niger and Chad working together before now. It, so I guess the, the first question has to be, is the Nigerian military in a position to go and project power across the border? Are we, have we handled our domestic military issues, um, counterinsurgency, counterterrorism, sufficiently that we're able to free up troops from our domestic issues to go across the border to project force in Niger? That's the big open question. And unfortunately, we're almost in a position where if you're asking the, you know, the, the defense apparatus within the Nigerian space, I'm not sure you would even get a straight answer out of them. You wouldn't have gotten a straight answer, answer out of them before the Niger coup, and you're definitely not going to get one now, because the last thing anybody would want to say is, no, we're actually not capable of, of going to fight this war because we need these soldiers here in, in Nigeria. I don't think anybody wants to say that out loud, but that's a big question that has to be asked. And then if that's the case, are other West African countries ready and willing to step up and fill in the numbers? I mean, we've heard from... The um, Senegalese head of state here said, yes, he's willing to go and defend democracy in Niger, even while he's suppressing free speech at home. But uh, yes, he said he's ready. But I mean, what is the Senegalese military? Is it one man and his, and his dog? Or is it actually a military that's able to go out into, into Niger and get something done? So this is the critical question that has to be asked and answered now. And both sides, it's sort of like a game of chicken. Um, each side is trying to, trying to see or maybe a game of poker, each side is trying to see, get a, a peek into the cards across the table. The, Niger, the Nigerian junta are asking themselves, does Nigeria and France have the military strength to actually come here? And the Nigerian friends are asking, are we projecting enough force to actually scare these people? But ultimately, I don't think a military intervention is something that anybody here in Nigeria really hoping for. We are able to like threaten these guys enough to stand up. Mutala, hmm. I wonder what you think. It's not a linear uh, answer. So, what, what, in terms of force projection, uh, it's part of when and ECOWAS was um, putting out the statement. Uh, it ordered that the military chiefs of the region meet immediately. Uh, it's it's a very strong signal that that wasn't. 
the military chiefs should meet in Italy. And then also there was talk about enforcing no fly zone. That's a different conversation anyway. Uh, but however, now the um, military chiefs are meeting. This is really different. Uh, during other courts, it didn't happen. And military chiefs don't meet to talk about a peace. They meet to cope. They meet to talk about battle plans. Uh, what is it that will be required? The, what is this, what is the strategy? Uh, who will be committing what? Uh, so for them, the military, so it's like the carrot and stick approach. Mm. ECOWAS is preparing the ground should that day arrive that the um, regional body will see we are intervening, then the military across the region, those that will be providing some form of support will need to be ready. And so... Uh, in terms of conversation around those who we can allocate resources, uh, the Senegalese play an important role. Uh, during the economic operation in uh, 2017 in Gambia, uh, Nigeria provided a small contingent. However, Senegal that was close to Gambia provided a huge chunk of the contingent. Uh, we provided special operation forces, uh, provided uh, air assets in terms of the Air Force, the Alpha Jets flying across um, the capital of Gambia as part of the pressure. Uh, the Navy also dispatched uh, uh, it, it, one of our uh, strategic ships to the region. And so it was that pressure that helped smoothen the part uh, in terms of uh, uh, Jami, uh getting out of power and uh, Lassan Otara uh, getting into power. And economic is still there. Uh, they're helping to help uh, stabilize uh, that country. So in terms of here, uh, we understand that, yes, the Nigerians also be preparing. Uh, it's normal. Once, In fact, the moment that that conversation where the Nigerians, where you start to even think of the use of uh, force, then you need to start getting your assets ready for that. Uh, it may not happen. Uh, and also, secondly, also there's a need that those who... Because the Nigerian intelligence agencies will also be assessing uh, if ECOWAS has the capacity to buy. And so ECOWAS will also be taking certain actions to send that message, uh, both directly and indirectly to the Nigerians, uh, that uh, we are ready, uh, we, we, we need that we use that force. In terms of also Nigeria, I mean, yes, we have a lot of issues in Nigeria across the country, in the northeast, the northwest, north central, the south-south, uh, the southeast, and the, lost, and the military is playing a huge chunk in these uh, operations across the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, the military is, uh, is available in almost all the states across the country, including the FCT. Uh, but is the military capable of allocating resources for an operation in Niger- Definitely, yes. Uh, the resources on ground that can be either reallocated or resources that are on standby on reserve because at no point in time does the Nigerian military allocate its entire full strength for operations. And for the Guards Brigade in Abuja, you have lots of uh, troops there who often just do not as simple work as protecting the capital or doing ceremonial parades and other things. And then there are also other troops in other locations. So, yeah, um, it's going to be uh, potentially plugging some assets from certain regions uh, to keep them on standby should in case uh, the Nigerians will want to intervene. Uh, considering that it's in our border, uh, Nigeria is in our border, so we're providing a huge chunk of the uh, intervention system around, unlike uh, when it happened uh, in, uh, um, in Gambia. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I, I come up with, um, and when we say real ECOWAS or ECOMO or whatever in form of the intervention, it's strongly going to be Nigeria constantly uh, presenting with the chair of the of the of the ECOWAS who will be bearing a lot of the responsibility. But we should not forget that uh, international partners will be supporting uh, no matter what the, the Nigerians or uh, the ECOWAS will 
no matter the decision they will take, they will have to require international support. And uh, this will include uh, as simple as uh, a diplomatic backing for whatever action uh, the ECOWAS will take to provision of logistic support, to support any information interventions, to provision of intelligence. Uh, and I know for sure right now there will be a lot of uh, discussion at both strategic and military level between the, the ECOWAS and, and other partners, whether in terms of the Americans, the French, and the EU on, on the part forward. So it's an interesting same time that we are time is clocking uh the hope the hope is that the protection of force will lead to a reversal of the coup and not necessary uh <clears throat> and not necessarily that we get to the point that we have to intervene uh, for nigeria we're really in a dilemma whether we intervene or not uh the impact will affect us if, we are, if the coup is allowed to uh the status quo is allowed to remain and then things deteriorate because after you've seen with Putin of us after the coup, situation deteriorated. And the interesting thing is that President Bozum was actually circulating security using a different approach. He wasn't focused really only on military intervention. He had expanded, he had also participated in the expanding of the Nigerian military really rapidly, increasing the number of goods of the Nigerian military. However, he was focusing a lot on development and economic, other factors that were driving uh, insecurity in marginalized communities. And him himself, he's from one of the marginalized uh, areas of Niger, uh, where there are hardly two uh, political representation. So it's really interesting times for Nigeria. We, whether if the coup state, it's a threat for us. If we, if we intervene, then we must be ready for the repercussion because intervening will also create some kind of security risks and now we need to bear that. Hmm. All right. We'll take a break. When we come back from this break, Lagos, I'll keep talking to my experts on the show. One of them is a policy expert. The other is a defense expert. I'm Sandra Ezekwesili. This is Hard Facts. Welcome back to your number one talk, news and sports station. This is Nigeria Info. Once a week, we let Nigeria breathe and we take a look at the biggest international stories of the week. Before now, it's been every Friday at three. But from this week, our global review will happen at this time slot, Thursdays at four. This week, we're looking at the military coup in Niger Republic, um, uh, an exercise that um, everyone is, uh, well, everyone in the international community and security circles are refusing to call a coup because they're not giving it any legitimacy. They're calling it a hostage situation. Um, the ultimatum from ECOWAS, we'll talk about that as well. We have talked about that a bit before the break. Uh, we've also talked about the response, or well, we will get to the response from the international community. If you didn't know, last week, Wednesday, the military overthrew President uh, Mohamed Bazoum. Uh, General Abdurrahman Chiani declared himself the head of state, and before that, he was the head of presidential guard. So, uh, Presidential Guard, of course, you know, Lagos, that those are the people who are supposed to protect the president. So the person who is supposed to protect president overthrew the president who is supposed to protect. Uh-huh. Now, what's happen for there? My first guest is a defense expert, Mutala Ibin. He's here alongside our regular guest, uh, whenever we go global, policy analyst Chief Andy Obofo. Lagos, join the conversation. I want to hear your thoughts on, on what's happening in Niger. 0700 
Hi, good evening. Hello, Sandra. Thanks for calling. Welcome. Talk to me. And Sandra, what I want to say is this. Is, uh, uh, I would like our president to apply wisdom in following this, uh, what is happening with them. Okay. Number one, what is the function of ECOWAS? It's to promote peace. So when those things are rumoring small, small, it will be their cue. I don't even know what they participate, whether they participated in, in, in maintaining the peace. Okay, now, if the use of force is applied, you know some of the other uh, countries have already joined uh, Niger. Now, if that thing is applied, imagine the Niger uh, refugee coming to Nigeria, plus our internally displaced people in, in Niger already. Mm-hmm. All of them will come back to Nigeria. And now, the little food that we have, you know, we have been um, struggling for little food and survival. Mm-hmm. Everybody will now come to be fighting for uh, Lady poor Brick. I don't know how we're going to break again. Mm. Now, hello? Yes, I'm here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I want to ask. Nigeria has produced um, 10 uh, um, ECOWAS leaders, starting from 1975 to date. Even when our president was inaugurated in, on the um, 29th of May, on 7th of July, they gave our president the, the head. Is it our, is the, our country, is it the only country that's supposed to head, be the head of ECOWAS? Although I don't have not experienced a military regime, I was born in the late 80s. I've not have a test of military. I don't know how it looks like. Mm. But from what I'm hearing, military is not the, the way to go. So what I'm saying now is that um, our president should use wisdom to follow them, not use of force, because it will bring more, more hardship to Nigeria. That's what I'm saying. All right. Thank you very much for calling. Now, the, the, it's not just Nigeria that um, has been head of ECOWAS. Um, it's, a, it's a rotational chair, right? So it goes to every country, uh, every ECOWAS member, every, every member, every state that is a member of ECOWAS. At some point, they will produce um, um, the leader um, of the state. Now, of course, they are not, uh, we don't have plenty states <laughs> inside ECOWAS. So it makes sense that it's going to come back to Nigeria as many times as possible. It's just like, when you're doing ringa ringa roses eventually to come to you uh, if you keep doing ringa ringa roses it'll keep coming back to you 99.3 hello hello president Sandra. thanks for calling sir welcome you see um like the last caller said we need to apply tact and diplomacy in dealing with this issue i know that threat issued to the military juntas in niger for me i see it as Nigeria, being the current head, massaging our overbloated ego. We seem to have this um, illusion that we are still the big brother of Africa. But we need to apply wisdom because we are sharing border with Niger. It's not like uh, the case of Mali and uh, Chad and uh, is it, uh, which other country is that where you have military junta? We have about three of them now. Mali, Burkina Faso, and Guinea. Burkina Faso, mm-hmm. yeah, and Guinea. Those ones are a little far off from us, but we are sharing common border with Niger. Mm-hmm. And according to what I read, we have about 300,000 refugees currently camped in Niger. We must understand that whatever we intend to do in Niger in terms of use of force, Nigeria is going to bear the brunt. The cost is going to be majorly on Nigeria. 
And I don't think we can afford that now. We have our own internal crisis. We're still battling with our military is overstressed. So going to Niger for me, I think it will be counterproductive, taking into consideration the proximity of Nigeria and Niger. And I think we should not play into the hands of Western powers. Go on. Hello? Yes, I'm hearing you. We should you. not play into the hands of Western powers, mm. who I only have interest in, preferably in the uranium or gold that is being mined there in Niger. Mm. Yes, they are going to support us with logistics if they will. But then, what about our personnel who have been overstressed in the war back home? So I think it's something that needs more of diplomacy and tact in handling. You cannot go to a sovereign nation and issue threats. And let us not forget that the vast majority of Nigerians are in support of military junta, probably because of bad governance. Like uh, the uh, President uh, Babangida just um, opined in one uh, article I read on paper, the reasons for military takeover in most parts of Africa. I am not in support of military um, regime, mm-hmm. but we must understand that where democracy fails, military becomes the only option. So we need to weigh the options carefully before wading into this conflict that we may not be able to ascertain the end from the beginning. Hmm. Emeka, thank you very much for calling. Mutala, my guest says that um, sometimes when democracy fails, Mutala, uh, when democracy fails, military becomes the only option. Is this a sentiment that you share? Uh, no, 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 no. <coughs> the, the worst of uh, democracy uh, better than military rule. Uh, democracy allows the people to have important human rights and important and human rights are important for human security, for development, for innovation, for growth. Uh, I Nigerians sometimes we forget what we went through under the military, and we have these uh, uh, beliefs that oh, military dictatorship is going to help us strengthen things and get things to work. Uh, no, 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 it's not. Uh, those who went into uh, <clears throat> Other, the other countries who had their coups in recent years, uh, conditions have waited. Uh, there's who call insecurity that they try to say, oh, it's why we removed the civilian government. Things have gotten worse uh, for Mali to um, <clears throat> to um, Burkina Faso. And we've also seen some of them lose some of the uh, important development aids that they get uh, in terms of uh, development uh, interventions from the international community. And so it's the cost is enormous, really, and so it's important that democratic rule is sustained and is protected, and that's what ECOWAS is trying to do now to ensure that. Because the issue is that what happens after Niger? There are other countries in the region that have some form of fragility, and there's risks that if uh, if Niger is allowed to stay, the status quo is allowed to remain, then there are other countries that face that kind of weeks and um, which uh, they could uh, fall into a military junta. So that's the weeks on the table now. Hmm. Uh, Chief, um, do you agree with those who say that uh, military coups happen because um, democracy sometimes fails and, uh, you know, if democracy fails, then there could be an argument for a military rule? So I think when people say that, they make that very common Nigerian a mistake of joining two things together that are separate and then the second common Nigerian mistake of saying that because A doesn't work, we must do C, forgetting that there is B in between. So, yes, many military coups happen because 
civilian governments have failed to do things and people get frustrated and turn to the military. Sure, let's assume that to be true. Does that mean that the frustration should lead you to going to the military, jumping from frying pan to fire? No, you are, when you are frustrated with your civilian democratically elected government, your better option is to vote them out through the legitimate um, democratic process. Because guess what? You may or may not be able to get rid of a, of a civilian government that you don't like, but you definitely cannot get rid of a military government, whether you love them or hate them. So you shouldn't run to the military if your democracy isn't working for you. You should try your best to strengthen your democracy. That means like coming out on the streets more, protesting more, pushing back against your government, being more vigilant during your elections, fighting the the, the, the mechanisms your civilian government is trying to put in place to steal your elections from you. Meeting them bumper to bumper in court. Putting all eyes on the judiciary. These are the things that you should do as an alternative to bad civilian government. The, the alternative to a poorly functioning democracy is the people rising up to strengthen the democracy. Not throwing out the democracy and going to the military. That will never work. That is playing Baba Ijebu, playing the lottery with your life and hoping that you win because you are now, instead of like leaving your country into the hands of 1,000 bad, bad, bad politicians, you're putting your country in the hands of five bad soldiers. What you should be doing is putting your country in the hands of a hundred million good Nigerians. All right. Chief Andy Obofor, policy expert, uh, Matela Ibin, defense expert, and they've both spoken to us this evening about the situation in Niger. Gentlemen, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Sandra. Lagos, we'll take a break. Next week, um, Thursday, same time, 45, we'll come back uh, to this very same conversation because the Niger story is an unfolding one. Now, let's go to the National Assembly next on Eyes and Nays from 5 p.m.